Welcome to a special episode of the Annie Gamers Podcast. I know we haven't put something out in quite a while. I think the last episode that we released was a, uh, a recording of a panel at a, con- at a convention out in California. But we're at Anime Next. Uh, I am your host, Evan Minto, also known as Vampfo. I'm the editor-in-chief of AnnieGamers.com. Uh, and we have a bunch of cool folks here at Anime Next, uh, a couple uh, a couple panelists and guests and so forth, so on and so forth. Let's actually go to the left here because we'll start with the other Annie Gamers guy. Hi, I'm other I'm other Annie Gamers <laughs> guy Inc. I'm also waving because you can see that. Waving at the microphone. Hi, I'm Mike Tool. I'm a columnist for Anime News Network and I uh, produce extras for Discotech and I love them Japanese cartoons. And uh, I'm Neil Nadelman. I'm a, prof- a professional translator who's been working in this industry for way, way too long. I started way back with Animago and Central Park Media, but most of my stuff nowadays is with Sentai Filmworks, and I do lots of simulcasts and non-simulcast stuff, and uh, working on stuff for right stuff that I cannot talk about, so. Cool. Right. Uh, I'm Patrick, uh, Pat's Prime on Twitter. I just a huge nerd who's hanging out with these people. Uh, I do do a podcast called Space Opera Satellite where me and some friends are doing a watch-through of Legend of the Galactic Heroes. That just started, and it's bi-weekly, so check that out. You should be done with that when you're, like, in your 60s. Yeah. (laughs) I figure it's an easy uh, plan because it just lasts forever. Mm -hmm. So I think... All of us were doing panels at this convention, right? Mm-hmm. Did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. You did one on toy collecting. Toy collecting. Yeah. Um, I did some stuff about uh, the history of anime and uh, computer graphics in anime, and I talked about. Uh, I did a Crunchyroll panel as well, um, and you did a poetry panel, Inc. Yeah. I did a poetry panel, and as well as a lightning panel. Yeah, and you guys did. I know you did like a million panels. Well, Mike. I did three. I, oh, uh, really? I, I, just... I, don't, I don't like to do that many. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I, I, uh, I. Well, I introduced a film. I, there was a screening of Horus, Prince of the Sun, which I recorded a commentary for. So I gave away some discotech DVDs. It was funny. I uh, I brought five DVDs to give away because that's all I had on the stack. I forgot to ask uh, the uh, the producer Selby for more. Uh, I went into the screening room and there were five people there. Perfect. (laughs) Everyone got a DVD. But yeah, I got to tell them about the fact that Horus not only is the directorial debut, uh, feature film debut of Isao Takahata, it's a protest. It turned into a protest film during production. So that's kind of cool. I did uh, Dubs That Time Forgot, uh, you know, one of my uh, usual old favorites. I did uh, Anime Gets Sloppy, which is kind of a subset of the worst anime of all time thing that I like to do do occasionally about animation mistakes. And I just now finished uh, Lost Anime, which is a new one of mine, about uh, anime that is uh, not really extant uh, or available to, uh, to watch or buy. Yeah, so I that's, saw that's what parts I of those. They're, mm-hmm. I didn't see dubs this time, but yeah, I saw yeah. part of Lost Anime and uh, mm-hmm. the yeah, Anime Gets Sloppy. They were pretty good. And uh, I was doing uh, my usual totally lame anime, which is, you know, since I've become the keeper of terrible anime, <laughs> and try not to be like everybody with doing mock outrage and shouting over it. It's, yeah, that's the real, the real problem, is like the YouTube kind of unfunny shouting over bad things. Yeah, I, I mean... I, I don't understand, Neil. What's, what could be funnier than just yelling over <laughs> Darcy's wing? <laughs> Trying to out-yell those characters who yell yeah. a lot. The, the only thing that is funnier, or really many things are funnier, but I guess it's just watching Garzy's Wing on its own is probably funny enough. Much. You know, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's funny enough watching that old 1981 toy adaptation of uh, Call of the Wild where you get to see basically 90 minutes of a dog getting beaten up before he flips out and murders everybody at the end. And it's so it's it's such a wonderfully cathartic moment in yeah. that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also did a little panel where I'm trying to tell people about Urashima on the Future yeah. Police, which That's is cool. one of my favorite old shows from Tatsunoko, which I never thought was going to get released over here. And then Sentai Filmworks, you know, licensed it as part of their uh, Tatsunoko back catalog deal. Yeah. And I got to translate it, and that was like a year spent translating one of my favorite shows. And then. Yeah. Hope trying to tell people like this is a really great show. You should watch it. One of the best TV anime of the eighties, and you can watch the whole thing for free on Hulu. Not the whole thing. They've oh, only got. They've still only got the first twenty five okay. on Hulu. So they only got the first half. But yeah, the the full thing is available on the Anime on Network, the anime uh, Network. website. Which yeah. like, anime Network is like all the other portals. I think it's seven ninety nine a month. Yeah. Yeah. For for their exclusive content. But 
but I, I expect that eventually this, the back half of right, Rashomon will show yeah. up on Hulu. Absolutely. So how many people would you say were at that panel? Because I was there. Um, four. Four. You five, made him say it. It's a, it's a shame. Well, it's just, it's like. Well, part of it, it was, was also. It was a good panel. Like. Yeah, part of it was also, like, I noticed that the panel in the guidebook app was. I was labeled differently than what it is in the printed map to oh. the con. So people going to like, oh, this was panel room four. It was not labeled as that on the on the pocket guide. So I'm wondering if other people like tried showing up at like a different panel room and then you know just didn't right. see it. I definitely I didn't actually realize it was happening because I think the the fact that it was just called Urashimon yeah. and not like a something that read like a panel title meant that when I was skimming through, I thought it was a video room room show. of yeah, yeah of Urashimon yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to perfect that panel a little more because right now I I have not busted out the clips from the actual episodes because they're MKVs with that I made from my work from my work video with my scripts and I haven't at, I need to like run them through like handbrake and then like actually mm-hmm. make the whole thing portable instead of yeah. queuing from episodes. Well, I mean the thing is I have them all chapter stopped and and everything, but yeah. I need to I need to tighten it up again yeah. a bit. It's, it was, it's it was really interesting though. I, oh, I knew thanks. almost nothing about Urashimon. I think what I knew is it was a show that existed. I, yeah, I saw the OP once. Yeah, and yeah, Urashimon is like one of these really great funny shows that was one of the best shows that Tatsunoko made and was totally overshadowed because they made another show that year called Super Dimension Fortress Macross <laughs> and uh, it was a you know Urashimon was a huge hit and then Macross like went on to like obliterate everything in its path for, for that yeah. year so uh, that is kind of a stunning contrast in terms that Macross uh, you know I would say has superior mechanical design but the character animation in Urashimon is so much better yeah it was the stuff I saw in the panel was like really fun and oh yeah. And, yeah Urashimon's great because it has this you know I love the humor in it because almost everybody is kind of a jerk mm. but they're they're likable jerks I love how there's not they're, they're, it's not a very it, it no I, I was about to say it's not a sentimental show it's a totally sentimental show at some points but at other points you know like everybody is just kind of like you know they have like this breezy jokey style where nobody is like taken that much seriously until they have to take things seriously yeah, and there's a lot of wit and style to that. I love the bit in the first episode where the you know, the traffic cop Claude has uh, has collared uh, the main character, but they're fleeing from bad guys, and he just yells, "Oh my god!" and yeah. they smash cut to a church. Yeah, right. And stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think uh, probably one of the most exciting things for most of us at the con was uh, that triggers here this year again with even more staff from the studio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mike yeah, that is was holding up his. Super yeah. cool signed Kill a Kill box yeah, set. Yeah, I got the UK release of Kill a Kill because uh, not only am I a cheap bastard and the UK release is a little cheaper, but it has uh, an art book with all of the uh, animatic and storyboards in there. And the US oh. release has pretty postcards and uh, it's a very mm. nice package, but it does not have that. I didn't and, realize yeah. that. Yeah, I got it signed uh, by uh, all, all four of the gentlemen here who worked on the show, so I'm super psyched about that. Yeah, and that's uh, the so the the trigger staff that they've got here are uh, Takafumi Hodi, who's a uh, freelance animator, uh, Shigeto Koyama, also freelance animator, mm-hmm. who worked I think pretty heavily on. Um, they all worked on Kill La Kill, but he also worked pretty heavily on Inferno Cop, I think. Uh, yeah. Right, yeah. and then uh, Hiromi Wakabayashi, who is a million different things at yeah. Trigger. <laughs> he's yeah, like it's creative like creative officer yeah, on Kill La Kill. I, yeah. I think technically he's he's in some sort of production role now, right. but he still draws too. Yeah, yeah. And he does like concept art and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, and Sushio, who's the mm-hmm. character designer for Kill La Kill, and this like crazy superstar animator. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who is in love with his Mako Nendoroid? That's right. Well, that's not a Nendoroid, Evan. That's the real Mako. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Not a toy. Yeah. <laughs> the actual Mako. Yeah, Sushio is a cool guy. He's, he's he's like a little kid. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Pat. Why don't you tell us what he gave you? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I like Mike actually got the UK box set and brought that to all of them, but I got a different part of it signed that didn't have a lot of white space. And I'm walking through, and they all sign it. Then I got to Sushio, and he signs it and gives it back to me. Then he pulls out a piece of paper and starts drawing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? And I look over at his translator, and she's like. Oh, he wants to draw you. So he ends up, while I'm standing there awkwardly, drawing a portrait of me uh, that he gave me afterwards, which was really, really cool and will probably be the only thing you see as my avatar forever now. (laughs) Uh, You won. Yeah, pretty much. 
Uh, so that was pretty damn cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, you know how cute Mako is. Just think of Pat the same way now. Yeah. <laughs> looks exactly the same. It's a good drawing. Yeah. So they actually didn't do very many events, right? They did uh, one signing, yeah. uh, or two, two signings, right? Yeah, two, two one autograph signing, then a signings. panel, then another signing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and uh, I was disappointed at first that they weren't doing more. Or, you know, They didn't at least split the guys up and have them do a couple of panels. Mm -hmm. But the trigger panel that we got was pretty great. Why was it so great? Well, it was so great because uh, not only did they have all of the Animator Expo shorts uh, that they worked on, that, uh, that Mr. Ano and Studio Kara had produced, you know, they showed all those, and you know, since there's so much anime these days, most of the room had not seen these. Uh, you know, the, one of them, the uh, the Obake-chan one, I had not seen that, so I was excited to see that. Um, you know, they showed the uh, the uh, what's it called, um, uh, Momoklo versus Kiss music oh, okay, video yeah. that they that the Sushio did the uh, drawings for, and uh, they ended it with a brand new episode uh, of Inferno Cop. I had to miss this because my panel was scheduled opposite. The, the trigger panel. I'm sure it will be released very soon. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, but uh, but I won't I won't say who, even though Twitter already spoiled it. I'll just say that there there are special guest appearances <laughs> from other trigger characters in the episode. You won't believe your eyes unless you bought the line stickers. <laughs> then you might believe your eyes. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah, I mean that sounds good. I'm I'm sure it'll come out soon on YouTube. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I doubt that that's gonna be. We're gonna have to wait for some sort My of Blu-ray release for. My bet is it shows up at AX because that's where they're mm -hmm. doing the premiere for, for Little uh, Witch Little too. Witch mm -hmm. too. Yeah. yeah, and um, they have a ton of people there too. One one disappointing thing. Um, what's his name? Mr. Wakabayashi pointed out that they had really hoped to have uh, Little Witch Academia two finished by this convention, oh. but they did not. Mm -hmm. Uh, he didn't outright state it, but I think uh, I think he was kind of hoping they would have either a substantial piece or all of that to show us on right. the down low, mm. and uh, didn't happen. But uh, but hey, we got Inferno Cop. That's a pretty good consolation prize. I love the way the room, and this is a room of like 250, 300 people, absolutely exploded the second you know the the intro started and the shield showed up. I think Trigger are finally starting to figure out that Inferno Cop, that's kind of a popular thing yeah. here in the States. Well, I did a panel at Fanime about Trigger back when it was when like Kill la Kill was maybe halfway through airing and it was super popular at the convention, mm -hmm. tons of people cosplaying it. And I started by being like, how many of you have seen you know, Inferno Cop, Kill la Kill, um, mm -hmm. and uh, what else? I mean, Little Witch, that was all it was out at the time. Right. Uh, and the one that got the most cheers was Inferno Cop. Yeah. <laughs> and then I told them that. I was like, that's the one, not Kill la Kill. That's a good show, but Inferno Cop is the one people were freaking out about. Yeah, I mean, the, the one monkey wrench in the works is that uh, Inferno Cop is co-owned by Comics Wave. Comics Wave, So yeah. I, I think there's a layer of red tape they have to cut through when they want to make some new stuff. But uh, at the end of that episode, they did promise that they would be making another new Inferno Cop episode. They just don't know when yet. Mm. And who was it? Uh, Hori? Mm -hmm. During, after they show Inferno Cop, after they showed Inferno Cop, someone yeah. asked him about Inferno Cop again. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, I've never seen this before. Yeah, I had no idea. This yeah, because he didn't work on it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah, prior to Inferno Cop, Mr. Hori, who's, you know, this legendary animator, had never seen, uh, had never seen an episode of Inferno Cop before. And he was saying, <laughs> his take on it was just like, yeah, we make some weird stuff at Trigger. I, I had no idea we made stuff this weird. <laughs> and uh, so we actually did a, in the interview with them, too. And, like, the, the stories that they tell about Trigger are so interesting because it sounds so different from, like, the kind of rigid uh, system that you tend to hear about from other animators and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Like, the, we'll release this like a, you know as a print uh, or not print but like as a blog post we'll we'll transcribe the interview but like we asked them or I think it was Carl who asked them about Turning Girls about how, like how Turning Girls happened and they were like oh yeah and this is what we suspected but now we know for sure mm -hmm. that they just told all of their non animator staff to make a show so like, and it was like their janitor. accountants they're like the janitor they had all these like uh, mostly I think female staff yeah. who were not animators and just said make something and they based it on themselves so all yeah. four of the, the girls and turning girls are based on somebody at the office including um i'm forgetting her name right now the uh kairun yeah kairun the like wannabe pop idol the girl is directly idol based on a wannabe pop idol at trigger the 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 expression though when they said that was great because it was like yeah so there's evidently an idol wannabe in the office <laughs> See, that's, that's astonishing. I had no idea that was the story behind that cartoon because even though that's a very simple little, you know, a few keyframes per episode right. only, that's still a very good show. Oh, it's, it's ridiculously funny. Yeah, 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 it's extremely funny. 
And it's like, as opposed to Inferno Cop being all about like completely, you know, com- nonsensical things yeah. that come out of nowhere, mm-hmm. like Turning Girls is it's way more real. Like a lot of the comedy, oh, it's just yeah, not, like yeah. real people being yeah, yeah, like the, and, yeah, like the Idol Singer ones. Those right. are my favorite episodes because they're so grim. Yeah, because because you know she tries to be Genki, but there's this terrible layer of fear and uncertainty. <laughs> like lives with their parents. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. 27. Yeah, she's yeah she's clearly way too old to be doing this shit. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, um, man, I'm ashamed to say I haven't seen a, I haven't any, seen any that of these one. Yeah. Or no, well, no I've seen a little bit of okay. Inferno, Inferno Cop. Okay. I had no idea about Turning Girls. Yeah, Tur- Turning Girls is a you know a wacky daily life uh, you know two minute sitcom, and yeah, it, it, it's about four girls with complicated lives, and it gets really dark. Where it's, do you get it? It's about their dating. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. It's on okay. YouTube. It's also the interesting thing about it as well is that it doesn't have the Trigger credit on it. Yeah. It's just this like unofficial, totally made by Trigger, but not really yeah. thing. Yeah. I remember on Twitter when it was in production, uh, you know, their translator, Tatoon, uh, you know, kind of spoiling it by saying he was a voice in it, and then everyone oh, suddenly yeah. realized, you guys made this, didn't you? I think he voices the, mm-hmm. the cup of cold water in episode two. That's right. It's in the credits as, That's like, right. his nickname. That's right, because one of the characters is obsessed with, uh, you know, relationship fanfic, so she, she imagines a, a dirty fanfic between, uh, you know, a cup of hot water and a cup of cold water. It's <laughs> pretty great. Because they would make such a steamy cup. That's right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me warm you up, right? Yeah, it's yeah, all stuff like that. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's that was a good thing. Now, did any of you uh, besides me go to Aya Suzuki's panels? Uh, I think David uh, from from Anagamers went, but I didn't get a chance to go. No, she's. Uh, I got to talk to her a little because uh, you know, since since I have toddler level Japanese at best, I couldn't really do much talking to the Trigger guys. But uh, she's uh, Nikasian. She was born in Japan, but grew up in London, so mm-hmm. she speaks uh, very good English. And uh, yeah, her, she actually came into animation through Europe. Uh, right. She studied at Bournemouth, and uh, and she was actually kind of recruited straight out of out of school by um, Sylvain Chaumet, the French animator, mm. for uh, the film The Illusionist, which had a very long production cycle. So she learned a lot doing that, and because of her work on that, um, you know, she she went to Japan. She actually worked on the Dreaming Machine right. uh, with Satoshi Kon. And uh, her her take on that is interesting because they've been very closed mouthed about about what production materials are available. Yeah, she says that the film is pretty far along. Uh, you know, there's a lot of materials that are that are done, but it needs a director to finish it, and it needs you know several million dollars more of more production. But she said the film as it, as it as it stands, as far as she knows, is in a box and could be opened up and finished. It's just you know yeah. someone someone has to have the willpower. Yeah, I was like I was saying some scripts yeah. and. It's production yeah, full, ready. It yeah, full script. Yeah, 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 full yeah. script storyboards. She had a lot of uh, finished production art, actually. Yeah, that's the thing. Because when when Ink and I were looking over like her mm-hmm. credits and we were discussing what to ask at the because he went to the interview. Yeah. Um, I was looking and I was like, oh, she worked on key animation on it. Like that. That implies that they got somewhere beyond just like the concept phase. There was some animation that was being produced on it. So yeah. I wasn't just I wasn't sure how much. And uh, she also worked on uh, Wolf Children. Mm-hmm. Like a, a lot mm-hmm. of the cuts of uh, the kids when they were toddlers, that's her work. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, I, I, she spoke very frankly about some stuff that was that was kind of amusing. Like she was talking about in Wolf Children, you know, a lot of uh, Mamoru Hosoda's movies uh, have big action scenes, and she was just like, yeah, all the action stuff, all the men would uh, would 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 compete for those cuts and would, right. and would demand those, and the, and it was just taken as a matter of course. Well, the women will do the emotional scenes, oh, and wow. the character scenes. Just like, what, that's, that's, what Japan is sexist? Yeah, uh, yeah. Say well, it ain't it's, so. It's, uh, well, I mean, it, it's tell funny. that to Sayo Yamamoto. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Tell that to uh, to uh, what's her name, uh, Rie Tanaka. Mm-hmm. But um, the uh, and the other thing she said was she worked on The Wind Rises. Mm-hmm. Uh, she 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 was completely shocked, but uh, Ghibli kind of just made her an offer out of the blue to come on board wow. in production mm-hmm. on that. Um, so she worked there and she showed some of her uh, some of her drawings from that. But she did point out the whole problem with working on a film for Studio Ghibli. Is especially for Miyazaki, is that you'll do you know you can do some pretty decent work, and he'll take your work and he'll uh, he'll he'll talk about it with you and compliment it a little, and then he'll take it all away from you, and, and then he'll redraw the whole yeah. thing himself. In, in my interview with her, she basically called it you know you're going to be tracing his his work. Yeah, oh. yeah, 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 and it's just like so so it's it was great to be involved at Ghibli, but uh, you will not see your work on screen. You won't be able to recognize That's... it. And it's just like you know, and it's not like you're trying to trash Miyazaki. He is a genius, but that's just how he works. Yeah, I I wondered about that because I I'm doing a panel now about Ghibli, and uh, mm-hmm. I did a bunch of research, and I found an anecdote about Whisper of the Heart, where apparently Yoshifumi Kondo storyboarded out this scene 
where the main character like kind of kneels down and, and tucks her dress underneath her legs. And this, he's yeah. the director, and Miyazaki wrote the script. So presumably Miyazaki should be like, Kondo, you're in charge now. Yeah. Uh, but Miyazaki like berated him and was like, she would never tuck her dress under like that. Why would you make her do that? That's totally out of character. <laughs> That's very interesting. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to remember. And yeah, she said, she also said that the problem there was that since you'd do some work and then that work would be taken away from you and you would not see it again, it was a tough place to learn mm. and to grow as an animator. Uh, and that, that, that struck me as very interesting. You'd think that, that working on a film for Ghibli would be incredibly instructive. Right, because you're maybe working not with so many experienced people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, my favorite uh, Miyazaki grumpy old uh, perfectionist <laughs> story is still uh, Future Boy Conan. Uh, um, what's his name? Yoshiki Tomino worked on that with him. Uh, he did a number of the scripts, and he also he tried to storyboard some of the episodes. And uh, the the, sto- the way the story goes is Miyazaki looked at them very theatrically, threw them in the trash, and, and redrew them all. <laughs> it's like, man, that is harsh. Yeah. And Tomino looked at that and said, Ah, so this is th- that sort of dramatic arc of having all of this work go into things and then having them be killed right at the end. Yeah, yep. That, yeah. that might work <laughs> for, some, for a show. Exactly, exactly. So, um, is there any other, like, guest panels or anything, or panels in general you guys enjoyed? Or? Well, um, go ahead, Pat. Uh, well, I mean, probably one that I enjoyed a lot, I know Evan and I went to, was uh, the Mecha Shorts panel. Uh, that Oh, yeah, that was excellent. Uh Tom Asmol on Twitter, he's the guy who did it, and he had a lot of really interesting stuff. Like weird, yeah. yeah he put a lot of work into into it. So there's things from like old Sega Saturn games where he'd gone out of his way to capture the anime. the mm-hmm. cutscenes from them. Wow, uh, a lot of pachinko footage. Uh, there's this like long combatler V thing that was done for a pachinko machine. That was incredible animation. You could do a whole panel on pachinko animation. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, you absolutely could, and there's a lot of really good stuff. Uh, the project, or yeah, the project Hal shorts from the uh, 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 design schools that, in Japan. That was the most interesting. So you yeah. should describe what that is. Yeah. So what they did is they got—I don't remember who it was—they got a director and a team to storyboard out this mecha short. And they have three schools. They have one in Osaka, Tokyo, and I think it was Nagayo. Uh, I don't anyway, remember the there were three. city. Um, and what they did is they basically gave them the storyboards and basic direction and then said, all right, now go do it. And they gave the three different schools the same stuff. And then they all deliver it, and you get to see what each school produced. Only two of them had been released so far, and there were noticeable differences between the that, The kids from that third school are not getting a job. Yeah, no. Uh, they got to produce stuff on schedule. And, and the other thing that was interesting, because they were, one of them was super, super detailed, had a lot of really elaborate effects, like there was like a chain sword that collapsed mm-hmm. into itself and things like that. That school was the first one to deliver it. The second school left all of the effects that were in the storyboards out, and it was a lot starker and a lot... Uh, planar kind of style to it mm-hmm. that ended up coming out a couple weeks later. Mm-hmm. So it was you could, it's really cool because you get to see these different groups of people trying to produce the same thing. Yeah, that, that's like a really rare chance to see that, right? Mm-hmm. Where you like it, it's a way of sort of isolating the elements so that the only thing that you see is what the animation does to a shot mm-hmm. when you take out the effect of like changing the direction and the storyboard and all that other stuff. He also played, you know, the. Uh, the Gridman Animator Expo mm. short, which is just cool as hell, and I like yeah. to see as much as possible. Super yeah. Samurai Cyber Squads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't get to see that many panels. Most of what I got to see were uh, Mike's panels here. Yeah. I got to see one on uh, Friday night, which was about like uns- you know unsung animation uh, directors. So oh, I didn't get to see that one. Yeah, that was or maybe yeah. I did. I got to, I came in in like the back end of that one, and they were going over stuff by like uh, Yoshikazu Yasuhiko. So they were mm. do, talking about things like uh, the first uh, Crusher Joe movie yeah. and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that movie. Yeah, yeah, that's a cool one. That was a great one. <laughs> well, the Crusher Joe movie was like that was a mainstream you know pop sci-fi film that was also an auteur film. You know, yeah, it was, it was almost almost all major production duties handled by one man. 
great film. Uh, one panel I saw uh, was uh, our friend Dylan uh, Hazukari on Twitter. Uh, he yeah. did a panel about the works of Masami Obari. I didn't get to see it. Yeah, <laughs> this was this was super late night. This was yeah. one of those. Um, we, uh, we, we had a thing uh, where uh, Pat organized a little event, we drank some beer, and we were feeling good after drinking the beer, and it was very <laughs> late at night, so then we went to see Dylan's panel, but it was cool. Um, there, I, I, I didn't learn a whole lot, because it's, a lot of what he was talking about was stuff that seems very obvious to me, being a giant, giant nerd. It's like he's talking about the fact that uh, Obari learned a lot of his craft from Yoshinori Kanada, mm. and, uh, and came up in the 80s, was showing his design works from, uh, from stuff like Dan Cougar. And uh, then went on to the stuff he directed in the '90s, like like the Fatal Fury uh, film, which you know, which I absolutely adore. So uh, it's, it's good to see that he didn't cover too many of his duds either, because um, you know, uh, Obari is a great animator, and uh, I'm I am curious because he didn't cover. He mentioned the uh, the hentai stuff that Obari did, but uh, I'm wondering how much is really publicly known about why he felt the need to do that. Because the, the impression is that uh, Obari pissed some people off and couldn't get work for a while, and so he went to and went and did hentai instead. But uh, and then you know ended the whole thing with the uh, with the Gundam Tryon three and in uh, Gundam Build Fighters, which you know that, that that to me like just marks a triumphant return. Because I don't know about you guys, but like seeing that clip, that was the first time I really thought about how great Obari was in like in several years, you know, and I realized oh yeah that guy he's he's coming he's going into his fifties, but he's still doing great work. It's a shame I missed that because I I know the name Masami Obari and I mm-hmm. associate him with a couple things, but I'm not too familiar with like his work. So I would have actually learned a lot from that. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's one of the greatest uh, you know action animators working in the anime business. Right. And hopefully um, he gets to do it at some point that's not 1 a.m. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. we can all see it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I had to get home and go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. No matter how ex- you know Dylan uh, Dylan did a good job with the material and it kept it very exciting. But no matter how exciting it was, I was still sagging pretty hard by mm-hmm. the end there. Try not to nod off. I think I need to rewatch Detonator Orgun now. Yeah, yeah. Because that's as, that's about as Obari as it gets. Yep, yep. And I like the fact that Detonator Orgun is basically a you know a rip off of Tekkaman Blade. Well, Obari worked on both of them, so you know. It's still a rip off. It's yep. a it's a really high quality <laughs> rip off. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird ass show, mm. but uh, I've always been a fan. There's a Kia Asamiya character designs uh, before he was using the name Kia Asamiya. So you, his original name is on it. Oh, is that? Mm. A, I guess that's yeah. a pseudonym. Yeah, Kiyosumi is his pen name. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I really like the uh, the Reverse Steve's Penguin Drum panel. They ran you through specifics on uh, the literary allusions in the show, and some of the the pop culture and uh, Japanese specific histor- historical references. And then they went into some more just sort of general themes in the show and representations and symbology. Um, but it was a solid panel, and they said they had about twice the material that they presented. That's always good. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they cut it down to like one hour. But I'm really curious to see the two hours, because the first half of that panel is really good. Second panel is decent, but you can just see how much more they were just sitting on, and I really wanted to see the rest of what they were sitting on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I only caught part of it, but Mike, your um, anime gets sloppy panel was... was Really interesting to me as someone who's like very interested in the technical, like how the anime gets made, kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you could see this the same problems cropping up again and again and again, again and again. I find that interesting. Where you know the keyframes get finished, but then the in betweens just never get in there, and yeah. that's amazing to me. My big thing about my big takeaway from this is, man, I uh, I am completely entranced by the OVA Twinkle Nora Rock Me, which is missing oh. missing almost almost all of its in between animation. I didn't, I didn't just, see that one. And looks like it and looks like it was never corrected. So so all the characters are constantly distorted and off model and it's it's very rudimentary it's barely watchable at all and i think it's hilarious and amazing i keep trying to show people and after about 90 seconds of it they start crying and begging me to stop <laughs> <laughs> it's like i had three clips of uh, of just ridiculousness and after the second one I was like okay do you want to do a third and everyone was like no no <laughs> Like sincerely, yeah. you know, not not actually wanting me to do it. You, did and, you guys see that section in? Uh, you probably saw Animation Runner Kuromi, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that bit where like they they show the version of the totally not loop on the third, yep. where they didn't have an animation director and it's everything's all like messed up and wobbly. Up. Yeah, I love Animation Runner Kuromi. Yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah, well, you could tell all the animation cuts were by the one guy who, who's who's very dependable, always gets gets his work in on time, but it's <laughs> full of awful. mistakes. Yeah. In the, yeah, I think in the commentary track, the director of Kuromi says that uh, like that's that's super real. That happens all the time, and like generally. Yeah 
on any production, the person who has the most cuts mm-hmm. is the person who is the worst animator. Right. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, that actually gets better. That reminds me of something that uh, Aya Suzuki said, which mm-hmm. uh, which made the room uncomfortable because it was uh, too real and too true. Just Always pointing good. out the uh, you know yeah oh if you want to go into business as an animator um, you know in Japan it can happen but keep in mind that you will not earn enough money to live on for the first two or three years. Yeah, and that's why the like, animator dormitories <laughs> project yeah, exists. Yeah, yeah, and she was just like in a very real sense you know the animation business uh, you know new new talent is coming in that's being bankrolled by their parents. You know, mm. allowing them to live at home and covering most of their, most of their expenses. Yeah, when I was talking to her, we were going into sort of like the the uh, production layout and the, the mm-hmm. pipes and the tubes and you know the switch from paper to digital is basically what needs to happen in Japan. She said mm-hmm. largely they're still held by they're paper. still not they're all still the way hand there. drawing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and scanning they're, in. They're, it's it's a redundant process because they're scanning it in and they're redrawing it and you know it's it's not it's not profitable it's not economical yeah and you know if they could actually streamline everything then they could actually afford to make these people more efficient and they could you know not spend hours you know per day um but But that's like teaching an entire industry to use tablets because when you ask these guys about it you're like hey do you use tablets like no i don't like tablets i just draw on paper the whole time yeah yeah yeah, most of the animators i know who love tablets are western animators right right and you need to like cause an entire industry to stop yeah. Do this entire like stop and across pivot. the field upgrade. Yeah. Well, backgrounds have moved way more than animation, yeah. right? They're yeah. like I, I don't know the numbers, but I feel like it's like half and half now or something, or mm-hmm. digital versus traditional. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough, right? It's full of complicated questions. I look at the anime business and I just think, okay, how can we keep the same number of people working on maybe 60 percent of the shows and 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 you know taking home more money? How do we make that happen? Yeah. It's like that. I feel like that's part of the problem. There are too many shows being made. There should mm-hmm. there should there should be the same number of people working on fewer projects, and then everything would look better and would be better written, and people. And you'd have fewer. Th- yeah, you you if you had the same audience, then each show yeah. would also presumably you know get a little bit more. Would, would get a little bit more of a boost. Pick up what you took out from the rest of them. And you wouldn't have animators literally dying from the stress. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know there were a lot of like. Just in terms of panels, there were a lot of panels here that I like really wanted to go to and couldn't go to, which is just interesting in terms of like the meta aspect of how this convention was organized. Uh, our, our friend Vinny was in charge of panels here, mm-hmm. and this is like the most Otakon like in terms of panel selection that I've felt. Yeah, you were next. talking about that on Twitter. Now, so so tell us more about that because you've been to a number of West Coast conventions oh, now yeah. because you live there, and apparently the con, the con, I you know I've been to SakuraCon and I've been to AX. To me, they never seemed that much different, but you, you think that the panel well, content is a little different? So, I may be mostly talking about Bay Area conventions, because I... So you're I, talking about, like, Fanime and SAC anime and stuff like that? Um, but yeah, I've been, to, I've been to Fanime and I've been to some smaller conventions around the Bay Area. Okay. Um, and I have been to Anime Expo, but I was chained to the Crunchyroll booth and couldn't go to right. a ton of panels. Exactly. Um, but... Basically, what I've found is at conventions on the East Coast, even though, like, not, not that all the panels are the best or anything, but compared to, like, Fanime mm-hmm. and AOD and these other conventions around the Bay Area, yeah. um, I'll go to, like, I'll go to Fanime and there'll be a handful of panels I want to go to. And I'll be like, okay, well, I can go to these and then take a break and go get some food in between. Mm-hmm. And at Anime Next and at Otakon and in previous years when I've been to Anime Boston, it's like I barely have time to go do anything else because there's so many panels that I want to go to that are interesting to me that are you know educational or whatever, or yeah, historical right. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's weird to me because a lot of the panels that I found in at Fanime and these other conventions are like, they're very focused on um, sort of meta fandom, like like secondary fandom, so it's like how to promote your webcomic. It's like all these mm. things that are some other level removed from the content that you're presumably there to talk about or, you know, enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Which but, is like cool power to two people for doing those panels, but it's weird to be surrounded by so much of that that like I do a panel on background art and it's the only panel at the convention that's actually about, about the artwork animation. of anime. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 That's awkward. Yeah, no, my, the bane of my existence, and I, every con still freaking does it, is the how t- how to attend the convention. How to find <laughs> yes. the convention. You're already doing it. Yeah, I know, I know. To me, that just seems completely redundant. Like, I, I, I wonder about this, because it does feel like there's this, a culture that kind of, per- that 
uh, grew on the East Coast. It's a lot of the East Coast cons. Mm -hmm. As a result of people really like Mike and like Mm -hmm. uh, the Anime World Order crew, Mm -hmm. like Charles Dunbar, of doing more of these educational and... uh, Educational but entertaining panels that get big crowds and things like that. There's there's definitely a sort of progression of that. Yeah, because, I mean, the panels I run, like, I run those because I saw panels from Mike and from the AWO folks and that sort of stuff. Yeah, Yeah, I I definitely get the impression that you guys are kind of coming in behind us, and and that's awesome. (laughs) That's awesome, because I I don't know about you, but I don't plan to be doing these forever. (laughs) (laughs) What? Panel to the day I, know, I yeah, die. So suddenly everyone's going to be alarmed. <laughs> Don't I worry. Lived I'm, anime. I'm, I'm not retiring. I was going to say I'm not retiring this year. Maybe next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't. I don't know why that like seemingly hasn't grown as much. Uh, I mean, some some people who have been to more AX panels have and have been to East Coast panels have said that they agree. They're like, yeah, the AX panels. There's like this educational track that's pretty good. But well, there's the rest a, of it is there's not a that great. Specific academic yeah, academic track, track. At AX yeah. though. Yeah. I haven't yeah. been to AX in so long. I don't know what their panel, uh, what their I've panels never are been like. there. I've just because I get their CFPs and for the academic track and things like that, and it's like, uh, and the lineups hit or miss from what I've seen too. Yeah, I can never. But it's really, dedicated towards that. Yeah, I can never really see the point of having panels about the fandom of things as opposed to like do the you're at a convention about the thing, do the do a panel about the thing. Yeah, even even frankly, like a you know in-character Hetalia panel or something is at least about Hetalia. Yeah, <laughs> the in-character stuff kind of, I don't know. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really into those, but I'm saying oh, yeah, I know those, the content. The, oh, yeah, right? that like, at least, yeah, yeah, it's, you know. Yeah, I, there's, I'm noticing more and more, like, interesting convention culture differences, I think, between, like, a con, like, Fanime. I feel like Fanime and Anime Next are kind of pretty comparable. They're Anime Next is approaching a size kind of like Fanime. Yeah, um, Fanime is still, uh, they're around like 18 or 20,000, right? I think they're 25, so they're actually yeah. a bit bigger. They're, they're big, like in between Anime yeah. Next and Otakon. Right. But like, I feel like those conventions also tend to just, I almost want to say like they, Fanime attracts a way more like hip crowd or something. Everybody's like, like I get, I, I see lots of like everybody wearing the same hat from the artist's alley that mm. they all bought because it's the cool new hat. And I don't like see that here. Where there's like these like this well, trend like like almost like anime fashion. I don't know what you're insinuating, Evan. All anime fans are hip and cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody here is cooler. <laughs> like I've been to Fanime once, and my experience there was very similar. Where it's just like the only panels I went to were ones from guests, from, and they get good guests. Yeah, they, they have get a really relationship good with Gainax. Yeah, uh, but. Yeah. The general panel lineup was a lot of that kind of stuff, where it's yeah. just like, let's talk about, uh, I don't know what was popular then, Hitalia or whatever, or talk about just fandom right. kind of things, or just goofy stuff. Probably the most fun I had at a panel-ish environment at that con was just they have like a big open stage in the middle of everything. Oh, yeah, just the these stage people. Zero. Yeah. yeah, it was just like... These uh, two older guys uh, just rapping against each other, talking <laughs> about old shit. Wait, rapping? Uh, talking. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I thought it was an anime rap That's, battle. I was going to say that, freestyle that rap bad. battle about old school anime. That sounds like the best thing ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what rhymes with Harlock? Space, space Matlock. Matlock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, at Fanime, I went to something called Magic Harp A History, which is just somebody doing a like a serious panel about the Pokemon Magikarp and that's the joke but it's two hours long and the joke is not actually that funny <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wait, yeah it was two hours and it was two just about that. it was just like here's what Magikarp evolves into did you know this about Magikarp do you know what it, how heavy they, it is? Why this is how long it is. Why would they give them two hours for that? Because it packs the house and people laugh every time they say splash because that's the attack that Magikarp does. Wow. <laughs> I, was per- I was sitting there like, is this a cult? Did I forget to drink the cream coming in? Like, what happened? Oh, man. That sounds like something I would want to witness. I mean, that sounds compelling. That sounds interesting. But I, I, don't, think I, would, I don't think I would want to pack the room year after year for that. That's so, not something I'd like to there are repeat. Yeah. It, it's like a Rocky Horror thing, I think. It's like okay. you get repeat visitors and they all know like the cues of when to cheer yeah, yeah. so serious question 
Uh, did it ever reach like a Stockholm syndrome kind of point for you, no. where you were just laughing with everyone because you've been in this room? For no, two I, hours I think it went the reverse. Art? I started being like, "This is kind of funny." And I was like, oh, "Wait, that's it? <laughs> this isn't funny anymore." Yeah, the, uh, the there was one uh, you know panel that I really wanted to see, and it ended up getting canceled. Oh, and uh, yeah, that's that was f Friday morning. The first panel of the day was an in-depth analysis of Flint, the time detective. And so, so I, I, I trooped, man, I trooped across the street to the other hotel and I got there just in time and there were six or seven other people there and I talked to them because we were waiting for the panelists and every single one of us all admitted none of us really cared about Flint the Time Detective. We just wanted to see what a Flint the Time Detective panel would be like. That's why we were all there. And the host ended up, uh, he, he ended up being a no-show. Apparently he told the, the convention he couldn't be here on Friday. I, 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 he, he, his name was in the program, so I found him on Twitter and was poking fun at him, and he kind of freaked out a little. So, <laughs> uh, anti Bishonin, if you're listening, I, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I was just trying to rib you a little. I hope you didn't get to get too weirded out. But yeah, he, he disappointed a lot of people by not showing up for that Flint the Time Detective panel, man. <laughs> Speaking of time-related panels, did you guys hear about this panel, which I didn't go to, but you guys were telling me about it, Pat's. Back in my day, conventions and cosplay before 2010. <laughs> Back in my day, Pepperidge Farm remembers. Five years ago, <laughs> back before Obama was elected. Oh wait, no, that no. wasn't even that back. Even that, yeah. So I mean, I, I guess that. If somebody thought that was a good idea to make that panel, maybe maybe you know there are there probably are attendees who would actually be like, wow, what 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 were conventions like well, five years ago? There's, right? there's always this problem of you know in my mind new stuff. I suddenly realize is like twenty years right, old. Right. oh, I like to torture people with those facts. Oh yeah, I yeah. made an entire room full of people at the sci-fi con Aresia, you know, cry out in agony by pointing out, you know, Cowboy Bebop's only almost twenty-five years old, or almost yeah. thirty years old. Mm. And that's yeah. really scary when you think about that. Well, yeah, this description says, do you know that all cosplays could not always be bought and that every cosplayer had a face, and not every cosplayer had a Facebook page? Oh, wait, Cowboy yeah. Bebop's almost 20 years old. Totally yeah, 25. Man. I was about yeah, to well, say 20. Because yeah. it came out in like, what, 98? 98. 98. 98. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's just that specifically, I had brought up Cowboy Bebop as, as a, you know, an old school classic, and someone was like, well, that's way too new to be old school. And they pointed out, <laughs> it came out, you know, it came out uh, 15 years ago, pal. You hit 10 years, you're like starting yeah. to get there. 15, you're pretty much there. Yeah. Well, that's like when, you know, if I was pointing out, like, oh, Macross Plus. I'm like, that's 25 years old now! <laughs> yeah. I, it's it's interesting to me, though, like, on a serious note, that somebody made this panel, because I guess it's, like, indicative of the... this, like, fact that so many new people are coming in all the time. Right, yeah. Some Which of them only good. stay, the like, five is, yeah, years and yeah, then stop going to cons, right? Anime fandom is, very, is a very high turnover fandom. Yeah, the majority yeah. of people will stick around for a few years and then move on. It's, you know, the, the guys like us who stay for years and years, we're the freaks. We're the real yeah. freaks. Right. Well, but, it's, mm -hmm. you know, when you play the Game of Thrones, you, <laughs> run, bun, you run a ton of panels or you die. Follow Mogulis. Mm. <laughs> No, the I mean, yeah. There's this whole thing of I'd be more worried if, if like everybody here was like 45. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because I I'm I'm encouraged that there's a lot. You know, there's lots of kids, and there's always lots of kids doing this because anime fandom I think works mostly if you're like late late high school, early you know, or through college, yeah. and then after that maybe you start thinking about some other stuff. Yeah, and, and you know, you every approach the otaku expiration date. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And, and every... then your life clock starts blinking and then <laughs> come after you. Yep, that's right. There is no sanctuary. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, every show I go to, also, I mean, I, I always have people come up to me after the panels who are in their teens or twenties who are like, "That was cool. How can I learn more? How can I do what you do?" Yeah, and that's I'm just awesome. like, "Yes, do yes, yes, do that." Please take the reins. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm leaving. Because, <laughs> like I said, you know, I still love going to cons. It's one of those. I was I was talking with a with a friend on Twitter about how. In my head, I'm like, you know, cons, maybe I'm getting over them. They're kind of lame. And then I just keep going to them. Just keep <laughs> going to them. And I have fun every single time. I still like getting up in front of a crowd of people and showing them the the terrible anime clips that I've been showing since, like, t 2001. Yep. 
and somehow they always laugh at like you know Dracula eating the at hamburger. Fifty percent every time, oh. at least fifty percent of the room has not yet seen well, Dracula eating a hamburger. Hold up, what's what show is that from? That's from the Dracula, you know, the Tomb of Dracula, or Dracula, Sovereign of the Damned. You know, the okay. to- well, 1981 toy, uh, you know, adaptation of Tomb of Dracula. This is important, actually. You guys will be able to help me with this because I'm yeah. going to need every single clip that you have of an anime character eating a burger. Okay. For my upcoming panel that's not actually a joke called Anime Burger Time, where I'm exclusively going to do clips of anime characters eating hamburgers. Sure. I got a okay. couple. <laughs> right. a couple come to mind right away from uh, worst anime of all time. You have to you have to show like in the ready room on the Agamon Zeta Gundam how they have that oh, I, no, the vending yeah. machine. That's that has the inspiration <laughs> for the panel. <laughs> if I had my way, it would just be a loop of bright eating hamburgers yeah. while small like yelling at Camille. <laughs> But yeah, the famous that famous thing of like you know Dracula in the restaurant Disco King eating a hamburger, which just cries out for having an animated GIF made of it. <laughs> Meanwhile, as Dracula with the you know red velvet lined black cape with the big widow's peak and the you know the the big ears and prominent fangs. It's <laughs> incredible. Greatest moment in cinema. Everybody also loves watching Call of the Wild when the dog flips out. But yeah, there's this. God, over the years, like I remember, I used to depend so much on that Titanic cartoon that I found, which is not even anime, but it was so terrible I had to show it anyway. It's Every- so terrible it becomes anime. Well, it's so terrible that eventually everybody got to be an internet shout man about about the Titanic cartoons, and then I realized I had to stop right, doing right. it because then it was over. When the nostalgia critic does it, it's over. Yeah, yeah you're, you're done. That's the bottom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The convention's yeah. moving to uh, Atlantic City. Oh. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, it's that, kind of a big deal because yeah. they're running out of space. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, they running out of space five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I know that uh, you know, Anime Next actually brings me in as a guest, which is still fairly rare. I get, I get a lot of invites from small cons, but I'm actually really busy, so I usually can't go. But uh, I'm, I'm not going to be like Aunt Sally, Aunt Sally at Christmas and come every year. So uh, next year, I'm sure, will be very interesting for attendees as they work the issues out in a much bigger venue. Uh, they, they need it, though. Yeah, they absolutely. Really need it. Yeah, that's. I, I did notice this place was kind of packed. The packed the scenes. Well, the panels are split between two hotels. Yeah, it's pretty rough. And it, it feels like the buildings just can't handle the people at all. Yeah, like you can't stand in the hallways here. They're not mm-hmm. set up for like large amounts of people. Yeah, moving. They're not set yeah. up for the amount of people moving. The amount of people in the rooms because the air conditioner can't handle the place at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and uh, yeah, and they, they put me in the little room, which you know, uh, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't fuss about that. But you know, that that seats forty people in it. Yeah, just, your panels would, get yeah. way more than that. It yeah. would fill right up every time, and, and there'd be another forty or fifty people outside, and it's just like, yeah, we gotta, you know, gotta move to a bigger venue. And it's not like you were scheduled against any of the main like uh, imported guests, right? right. I- imported no. guests. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, any of the Japanese creators, directors, mm-hmm. uh, like, because Trigger did one panel. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, because right. totally lame anime. I mean, usually it gets like several hundred people in there, and you know, I, the room that I had over at the uh, you know at the other hotel was like like a hundred, like it held like a hundred or so people. So yeah, they they definitely need more you know more space. But you know, I I got a good feeling everybody was enjoying this weekend. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah this is my first time here, so. I wasn't quite Come sure back. what to expect. Yeah, I mean, I heard a lot of kids walking around. I kept my ears open just to hear people reacting and mm-hmm. like keep listening for Atlantic City. And most and yeah. most most of the people I heard talking about it was like, oh, I don't know, but it's Atlantic City. And usually, one at least one of the people like walking with that person would go, yeah, but it's like bigger, and you're 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 down by the shore. And he goes, yeah, but there's no outside. It's like. You've got the boardwalk. Yeah. <laughs> it's summer. <laughs> and, you know, this they're going to one place where you don't have to go between buildings. Yeah, that's so that's the big that was the big weakness that I saw here was just the having to go between split between the two hotels. Yeah, really it's the only bad thing is that it's an hour or some south of here. Like the thing yep. that I wonder about is cuz I felt like this con in a lot of ways, skewed younger than even some other ones mm-hmm. I go to, like Otakon even. To, uh, it's younger than Fanime, I think. Yeah, uh, and uh, that's one of those things I wonder about. Well, it, yeah, now it's in Atlantic City, which for probably a lot of the people at this con means that's getting a hotel. Yeah. Yep. And 
question is how many parents are like, oh, yeah, y'all go to Hotel Atlantic City for the weekend. <laughs> uh, go, go on, 16 or 17-year-old child. I will totally let you go. Exactly. You can put the room on my credit card. Just call me once a day. Or you could think All of parents it. will like that. Yes. Or you could think of it this way. The parents are going to be overjoyed to go with their kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For once. exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's like, so that might work. Uh, so, it, I mean, yeah, because it was my first year here, too, and yeah. it's one of those things where if not for those space issues and just the hassle of trying to go yeah. from panel to panel, like this morning, the, I got here, I was in this hotel, the Doubletree Hotel, the first panel I wanted to go to was in the Bridgewater, mm-hmm. uh, the next panel I wanted to go to was back here in the Doubletree. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, so, the problem is you've got that one narrow pedestrian you know, pedestrian mm-hmm. way across the bridge, because the Bridgewater is, it's not that far, but at the same time, it's a pain in the ass to, like, walk out yes, to the highway, the highway, make a right, yeah, go literally. over the overpass, and yeah. So that was the only thing that was kind of a pain for normal attendees. Yeah. And uh, no, the really terrifying thing, though, is it's not two hotels, man. There's a third hotel. Yeah, yeah. there's that no, Holiday Inn. The that's, where, that's where they yeah. stashed all the video games. Oh, so really? Like, could, yeah. So that's a, why I never saw them. Like, all those people could be dead, man, and we wouldn't know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, we're going to go over there and like find a bunch of skeletons in front of like a bunch of consoles. You, you, and you yeah, might exactly. say that gamers yeah. per- are perfect dead. Perfect polished skeletons in front of consoles. <laughs> dance, dance, revolution on your brain. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts then? It was cool. It was cool. Yeah, I enjoyed I it. I had a good, I had a good time. Yeah. I missed it last year, so I'm finally back in New Jersey. It was a very good, very well put together, very well regulated con for the most part. Yeah. I'd like to Final go again. Glass, police on the hole. That's right. That's yeah. the, that's the anime next theme song now. Yeah, exactly. Well, Nihoich. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's not English. It's Nihoich. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having us. Thanks. For it's a wonderful week, even for it's a wonderful week.